Okay, so hello everyone, welcome to the Rubonus podcast. I'm the host Natas Rubonus saying hi to you from Manila. It is actually in front of me, just just on an, uh, another side of the media workroom, and we have Augusta Shalauskas uh, joining us from Vilnius. So, hello everyone. Hello guys. Hello Donatas, I'm waving to you once again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like at the beginning of the competition, I thought that okay, so so far the group stage is a little bit boring, at least the round one, but we ended up in, in a situation where in the third day of the competition, we have one of the title contenders out of the race for the title. And then there was another bam with Finland. So I like the way it goes. I like that it's getting more and more inside, uh, exciting. And for sure, we will cover the most exciting uh, topics from the first four days of the FIBA World Cup. But let's start with some fresh uh, games. Yesterday, we had Team USA and Greek national team uh, playing. It was an easy win uh, for Team USA. It is, I have a question for you. What did you learn new about Team USA after their first game against New Zealand and what the adjustments uh, you saw against Greeks? I wouldn't say I learned much. I mean, nothing that I, I, I couldn't expect before the tournament uh, to see. But uh, the good thing is that... Uh, Let's say in the second half versus Greece, they stopped running to fast breaks on every single occasion and they limited their turnovers, actually. Uh, so we got to see a little bit more of their, uh, let's say, positional play uh, on offense. Actually, for the first time in this uh, competition so far, we've seen Team USA um, not taking a shot in 24-second shot clock. Uh, for the first time, they had a shot clock violation. I'm not sure if it's going to happen again, but it did happen once versus Greece. And it's, it's becoming a sort of a tradition that the game starts with a traveling violation for Team USA. So this time it was Brandon Ingram uh, traveling on the very first play. But uh, also I loved uh, how Jalen Brunson performed in this game. He started with Thomas Walkup on him. Walkup doesn't need any introduction for European viewers. Everybody knows that he's one of the best defenders in Europe, but Jalen Brunson just got six points in a row against him casually. And other than that, there were some good performances once again from Reeves, from Banquero. It seems like the second unit of Team USA is becoming a real force uh, because uh, they basically build their lead in the second quarter when Itudis uh, put some more... Uh, bench players on the court and Team USA was playing with their second unit because Steve Kerr was basically playing like in an amateur league with uh, this lineups game. He plays one lineup, then he plays the other lineup and, and, and he's give, spreading the minutes uh, to every, every, every uh, player available. Um, I would love to see more of Walker Kessler. So far, he's only getting trash minutes. But in these five minutes, he did a lot of uh, things like uh, protecting the rim, uh, trying some difficult jump shots. He wanted to do a lot in his limited time. Um, but yeah, for them, in general, it was a good game. Again, you didn't see any rocket science. It was simple basketball. They knew that Papayanis is a big guy, so they were switching in four positions and Jaron Jackson was uh, mostly defending with a drop uh, in, in pick and roll defense. Papayanis had a good start 
making some shots and actually got some respect from Jaron Jackson Jr. after the game. I think of some well-deserved respect because uh, we saw him in some mismatches. Uh, he made some shots from the paint, pick and pop free, a couple of mid-range shots. So Papayanis ended up with 17, I, I, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, Greece is obviously a stronger team than New Zealand. So maybe Team USA was a bit more serious approaching this game. And you could see that actually they played some really quality basketball at times. And uh, the highlight was this this crazy fast break that started from Austin Reeves stealing the ball from, I believe, uh, Lunzis or Moraitis. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Uh, then passing to Halliburton, Halliburton through the back to Reeves. Reeves is jumping for a layup. Then there are two Greek players jumping on him. One of them being Tanasis under the Kumpo and Austin Reeves just managed to somehow pass the ball to Bobby Portis. It was just so beautiful. And I have to mention Tanasis because it was not his night. He probably wanted to show more versus USA. He missed four free throws, but he got his dunk. So you got to give him credit because he got his dunk. Yeah. There, there are two two moments that uh, I must mention. First of all, the fast break situation you mentioned. I remember that after that play, USA was like up by 25. It was in the middle of the fourth quarter. And ex exact after that transition play, it just took a timeout. And when Team USA, you know, returned to the bench, there were no instructions by Steve Kerr. He just stepped aside. Players were joking about that transition play because although the passing was smooth, the the layup by Bobby Portis was a bit rusty, you know. So the players had a lot of fun. So basically, that was it. But uh, that was it about their timeout. In Europe, you would never see that. I mean, despite being by up by twenty five, nobody cares. Shoulders to scavengers, draw some plays, you know, shouts on somebody of of not making a smart fouling bonus and stuff like that. So that was another, you know unusual thing uh, for us uh, to, to see. Actually, if you remember that one play in the second quarter where Halliburton threw a nice uh, bounce pass to Banquero, and it would just again call a timeout, after that play, Steve Kerr seemed like the happiest man in the world. I mean, he, he just looks so happy for these guys and the way they're playing so far. And, and they're enjoying their time here. You can see that even after the game, the way they're bantering each other and, and, and joking, like Anthony Edwards joking to Austin Reeves about his whole Austin thing. Uh, it, 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 it's really fun to see so far. But again, they're not getting tested to their limits and they won't be at least until quarterfinals or semifinals, in my opinion. Hey, Team USA uh, bench is becoming a thing because uh, my media tribune was basically over the Team USA bench. And I think that Halliburton is uh, riding that, you know, that wagon of Team USA bench making fun of everybody. And for instance, you mentioned this Tanasis dunk, that he had his dunk. Uh, I remember he turned to Team USA bench, you know, he, he was just flexing and uh, being very excited about his dunk. And it was like Mikal Bridges, who just pointed to the scoreboard and the scoreboard said that, you know, USA is up by 28. 
So that was that was an interesting uh, message. But but they were trash talking Tanasis all the time, especially when he missed those four free throws. They just burst and and, and laugh, uh, you know, watching that play. And I, I, that's why I asked Tyrese Halliburton, who, you know, who made the, a bigger distraction, the Team USA bench or that goat guy who also deserves uh, a credit for becoming a thing in this FIBA World Cup. I'm sorry, guys. I was listening to you. I didn't see the game, so. I was listening to you for like 10 minutes and I'm like, when are you going to mention the guy that was making goat sounds? Because that was probably the number one main story of the match. I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it was just all over the social media. You could hear it. I was I was listening to the background to read this commentary actually in Lithuanian. And all I could and all I could hear was like just this goat sound. And the fact that Anthony Edwards responded to it was is just is just amazing in my eyes. And you know, and I just loved how the, yeah, continue. And I just love how Donatas as well ask, uh, asked uh, Tyrese Halliburton after the game this this great question, you know, who makes uh, better trash talking? Like who who makes who, who gives you more distraction? Team USA bench when you're shooting from the corner or or this this goat sound? That was an amazing question and I, I saw that Tyrese as well liked liked it a lot. His reaction said said a lot about it. He, he just was too polite about with his answer, so I expected a little bit more trash talk from him. I think Mikael Bridges also did too small to one of the Greek players. I, I'm not sure who the guy was, but he definitely did it. Uh, talking about that guy making goat noises, actually Team USA made 22 free throws in a row. So if his uh, aim was to force them to miss some shots, it didn't really work. <laughs> I, I think Banquero was the guy who missed their first free throw after 22 successful attempts. Uh, but on a more serious note, what I would like to say is that uh, we actually talked about it once the roster was announced. And we said that it's a good team for FIBA basketball because they will have good spacing. They have great spot-up shooters. And it was clear to see in this game. Uh, when they couldn't run in transition, uh, when they had to play some sets, they would always find an open look. And when you see guys on the floor like Bridges, who loves to shoot the corner free, Cam Johnson as well, um, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson, all of them are good spot-up shooters. Tyrese Halliburton, they can also shoot off the dribble, of course. They can do a lot of things. Austin Reeves. So they ended the game with like 44% from free, I believe, something like that. And it's, it's clear to see that they're not intimidated by zone defense. I think Itudis tried the zone just for a really short stretch. Uh, also, the thing is that it's kind of hard to set up the zone when Team USA gets to the other side of the court so quick. Uh, so when they have plenty of shooters or, on the court, they have shooting even from the from the center's position because Jaron Jackson can shoot the ball, as, uh, Bobby Portis as well, Pancaro. Uh, it, it's it's a problem for the other teams because some Team USA squads that we've seen in the past, they had at least some uh, weak spots uh, you could expose in certain situations. Talking about this team, there are not too many weak spots I can see. Of course, they haven't faced a dominant center yet, uh, a guy like Jonas Valanciunas, for example. But when you see them sharing the ball, making extra passes and making uh, spot-up shots, it, it's kind of scary. You're thinking that this is gold medal material. But, of course, they only played New Zealand and Greece 
and this is not the real uh, Greek national team. I mean, w- let, let's say if, if they had Costas Lucas in this game, the way USA was defending with the drop, Costas Lucas would, would, would be cooking with his mid-range abilities. And Thomas Walkup or Lorenzakis, they're not known for their mid-range game. They took some shots, they made some shots, but it, it, it's basically not what they're used to. So even having a point guard like Slukas on the floor could make a difference. I'm not even talking about Yanis. And I think that, and you could sense that Americans would like to test themselves against Yanis, who is considered one of the best players in the world right now. So yeah, this is not the real uh, potential of, of uh, Greece. I have a question for you guys. How did you like Austin Reeves' game? Because... I saw him getting a lot of praise on Twitter and especially, you know, the guys who cover the Lakers uh, even even more over. And one guy I really recommend following on Twitter is Tim underscore MBA. And he, he asked the question after the game, uh, in which position Austin Reeves is as the best ISO player on this team right now? And everybody was making answers, you know, in the, in the comment section. And after one hour and two, he, he wrote that in this last season in the NBA, Austin Reeves had a had a higher self-created shot making rating in, 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 in their metric than any other Team USA member. So how did you how was Austin Reeves performance in this game? Because I see the stat line and I'm like, OK, is he becoming that guy? <laughs> because first game, he was amazing. I think his plus minus was one of the highest and he he was uh, playing a, a lot of minutes, and in this game, 15 points, uh, six assists, I believe, five re- uh, f- 15 points, five rebounds, six assists, and uh, two steals. I mean, he's been their most consistent player uh, so far, and it's that second unit that I've mentioned. When they played the second unit, that, that, that small lineup with Bancaro as a five, they usually go on a run. That's what we're seeing so far. And Austin Reeves has so much flair. Um, he's got the moves. It looks like he has something from Jamal Crawford's book, something from Luka Doncic's book. Uh, and he's got everything. The way uh, He was fouled twice on a jump shot when America was on a dead play with the clock running out. And, and he just managed to fool his opponent, to trick him and, and, and to draw the foul. So... Yeah, the guy so far has been really impressive. And at the moment, his decision to represent Team USA, not Germany, seems like the right one. And the same goes to Paolo Banquero uh, choosing the USA over Italy. It, it's just that if these guys continue performing on such a level, if, let's say, Austin Reeves ends up FIBA World Cup MVP, it would be a shame if he wouldn't get picked for, for let's say, the Olympic roster. Hmm. No, no, I don't like this idea. I mean, it, can you because can you imagine if we had Bankero in Italy and Austin Reeves in Germany, it would just improve the quality of the rest of the teams in the competition. While Team USA, they have like few guys on the line, you know, to replace any of these guys. So I'm I'm not very happy that these guys now representing Team USA. But at the same time, you know, it's crazy that they they're one of the main guys uh, on that team. And speaking of Reeves, I mean. Uh, the only one thing, okay, there are two things that I will, I will add. He's becoming that guy who is like, Augustus, you just mentioned his stat line, and you're like, oh, he, so he, he had this stat line. I mean, it's becoming a casual thing for him to be efficient, to be one of the top scorers of the team, and, you know, it, it doesn't become something, you know, 
unexpected. So he's becoming that guy. And uh, I just actually, before this podcast, I went to one of the biggest, they even call it Mecca of uh, Manila's markets, uh, where you can get some cheap stuff. And I actually, I tried to get Austin Reeves uh, jersey in that market. And we, uh, we will soon publish a vlog on Basket News YouTube channel. Uh, how did I make it? If I found it, what were the struggle and what were the solutions in this crazy market environment? So I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't want to give any spoil, uh, spoilers. So just a teaser for the future episodes on, on Basket News. So yeah, just uh, before we continue, uh, the last uh, thing, uh, I think that Steve Kerr also mentioned that they have amazing chemistry and you could obviously see by your eyes whether it's a you know something on bench or on the floor you can see how Steve Kerr handles the personal this is a happy family so far but usually all these families are quite happy before the adversity comes so let's wait for the first real adversity in the competition and speaking of adversities before we continue uh, just one important uh, note uh, our podcast partners courtside 1891 have a discount code for you uh, we have as we have set up a 10% discount codes codes that you can offer to that we can offer to your or bonus listeners and viewers uh, and this discount codes will give you 10% of the max FIBA World Cup pass so for you to keep up to date uh, with the, all the FIBA World Cup action and uh, the discount code is basket 23 again 10 percent discount on multi-use uh, max FIBA World Cup pass and you can follow the instructions how to use that code basket23 uh, on the description of this episode on YouTube so once again courtside 1891 10% discount on max FIBA World Cup pass with the code basket23 so adversities problems upsets friends I mean as I said, that's crazy. Uh, with Augustus, we, we ranked them second in our FIBA World Cup power rankings. I remember Ritas had them a little bit lower because he had Australia as a two. Uh, but nobody, probably nobody could see. Although they were like, I remember, I don't remember who was saying this particular thing, but there was something like, if they lose to Canada, they might be a little bit nervous. And if, you know, Latvia comes with some crazy shooting night, you know, there might be some interesting things in this FIBA World Cup, but that was said before Porzingis was injured. But again, the odds to see France losing to Latvia is just crazy. And before you share your impressions, let me know who, 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 whose, fault, uh, whose fault of all of this uh, collapse. Do we need to change Vincent Collet? Do we need to do something with Vets? Do, do we need to do something with other players? Or as Nicola Batum uh, addressed, they need to bring Thomas Hertel, for instance. What do you think about this whole situation and main reasons of their collapse? I was, I was really surprised to see such a response from France after their game with Canada. After losing by 30 points, you, you would think, you would think there would be a response, let's say in energy at, at first, you know, th this would be your first impression about uh, what changed in France's game. Because I remember, I think it was 
in our podcast we mentioned i don't know it was me or me or ritis the 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 note you said that if they lose to to france uh, if they lose to canada and then you know they have to play latvia and basically the championship depends on on these games if you go further we did not really believe it could happen but now after it happened it's like i i wouldn't want to blame sankole because the guy has been here for 14 years i think now in a row and has done some amazing job throughout the year so when when he when when they win he's the he's you know he gets all the praise but i don't think it was only his fault this time i questioned his uh, decision making in the first game versus canada you know playing the uh two two non-shooting center lineup but um I don't think the players wanted it enough in the second game against Latvia. It was obvious that Latvians were much more happy about being in the World Cup. It's their first ever tournament in in country's history. So they were playing with much more poise and that in the end got the result done. Uh, Obviously there were a lot of other things, but I enjoyed what I think Mindoges Kuzminskas said or Donatas Motivunas from the Lithuanian national team said about this why France national team failed because they had a lot of players coming in and out because of injuries. Matthias Lazard basically skipped all the preparation and now he's playing big minutes in that two center lineup. Uh, so I think that was a huge reason. I don't think Thomas Quertel would have helped here as you know you could read, read on Twitter. Um, one guy is not solving defensive problems uncharacteristic defensive problems that France had. Thomas Wertel isn't known as a defensive player. Yes, he could have helped a little bit with the creation, with a shot creation in the perimeter, because I think Elio Kobo did not have good performance in these two games. And in the second game, Silvan Francisco got uh, much more time because of that. Uh, but overall, I was really disappointed with how France approached the first game when they got hit by adversity. And the second game that they did not respond, Latvia, Latvia wanted it more. And, you know, sometimes it is enough, obviously, if you make shots. And Latvia did it in the second game. They had a lot of free pointers. I thought Artur Jagers and Roland Schmitz were simply amazing. Jagers is one of the, one of the you know, most talented kids uh, in the youth competitions. But his, his career is a little bit limited to this moment because of injury and uh, he played this season in in the LKL and uh, you know we saw in Lithuania how good he was balling until another injury uh, came up so to see him play like this on this level makes me really happy because he is a player who who is limited by injuries and now he's showing his talents and he doesn't have a contract for the next season so this performance that we saw against France might have just cost him, you know, a good, not cost him, but might might have just given him a really nice contract for the next season. All right, guys, as you can see, uh, I had to change my background. It became a bit too noisy in the in the previous room uh, we were. For Donatas, it's yeah, fine. So it, it is just, it is, yeah. It is just left uh, to the airport and I stayed in <laughs> the media room. It seems like room. I'm in the airport, yeah. I'm still in the media room. I don't have a, a good mic like you, unfortunately. We probably have to invest more into my equipment uh, for the next FIBA competition uh, when we're traveling. Anyway, yeah, France, Latvia, this is the hottest topic right now. This is what everybody's been talking about. This is 
what some European fans are concerned because France going further in the competition kind of benefits them because France is in the Olympics as the host nation and two best European teams get uh, straight to the Olympic tournament via this World Cup. So if France, let's say, goes to a semifinal, they're uh, a European team that knocks out maybe Spain and maybe somebody else along the way. But right now, France will have to play this walk of shame. How to say it? It's, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around the fact that Fournier, Batum, uh, Gobert, uh, Lesor, Yabusele will have to play these uh, 17 to 32 classification games. But yeah, that's they crazy. Still, they still have to go through all this uh, torture. Uh, and but talk- that's the punishment. That's the punishment for not be- being serious, for not being uh, yeah. dedicated to play defense. Uh, because just August, as, as he mentioned about Thomas Artel, I'm not sure if he was about to, uh, he, he was a solution because I think that all the problems, even from the game against Canada in the third quarter, it all started from defense, not being serious, not being dedicated to play defense, to be more disciplined and. And just that's just a punishment that you have to soak uh, being in this situation. Look, um, the thing is, and this is a funny thing about these competitions. Like last year, France wasn't playing good basketball, but they just somehow got through the eighth final, quarterfinal, and they ended up with a silver medal. If they could just somehow overcome Latvia at least by one point, who knows? Maybe they would also end up in a final. Uh, the thing is, when they were up 11 in the third quarter, it looked like they are too calm. They don't really feel any threat from Latvia. From the body language, you could read that they're, they're feeling calm. We're up 11. We're going to win this. Uh, there are way more serious uh, teams waiting for us in the second round and, 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 and going further. But then... Ragara started making shots, uh, some big plays from Roland Schmitz, uh, some long rebounds that Latvians grabbed, particularly in my mind, there is this one sequence where I think Latvia missed a three-pointer. There was a long rebound. Davis Bertans just grabbed the ball, took a few steps behind the three-point line and, and buried a free. And when it became a close game with two minutes left, I think it was like a one-point or three-point game. At that time, the experience and the talent doesn't matter as much because... Jagas was feeling his flow. The Latvians were feeling good about themselves. They had nothing to lose because if they lose to France, who's going to blame them? Um, and they were playing this small lineup with Grajulis as a center and, and, and just switching on defense and doing all these things. Uh, Gobert had a really poor game. I thought his impact sh- should be much bigger in a game like this where Latvia really doesn't have a, a solid center. Um, but he's not the one to blame also. Everybody has to take some responsibility. At the end of the day, they even had a good look from Sylvain Francisco to win the game. It was not the shot they planned, probably. They wanted to do something for Evan Fournier. The ball was stuck a little bit. But still, Francisco had a pretty good look at the rim. Just couldn't, couldn't hit the shot. The Colo, he was out of the game because of the technicals. And again, at, you're their best ball handler right now. Uh, People are depending on you. Uh, we can remember how France struggled when Decolo was out last year. And Thomas Hertel, I don't think he makes such a big difference. Decolo makes a difference. And Decolo wasn't on the floor when it mattered the most. And that was a problem as well. But in the end, they lost because of their defense. And it's strange to say that because uh, seeing 
this team, how much size they have, the physicality, how they can put Batum to pressure uh, the other team's point guard. It's strange to say that France lacked defense versus Latvia with players like Artur Skuruts, Zagars, Grajulis, and others on the floor. Yeah, and give give credit to Schmidt's amazing game by by Roland Schmidt. I'm Schmitz giving on both credit to all of, the floor, of them. Twenty points, even to Coach Luka Banki. This is a huge thing they they achieved. I, I'm not sure if they can do more. They also lost Darius Bertans because of injury. Uh, I think maybe this was like a one-hit wonder. But hey, they already qualified for the Olympic qualifying tournament. So maybe next year they can bring Porzingis and fight for the um, for the Olympics. So good for them. Uh, really happy for Latvia. And it's just a shame to see one of the powerhouses like France collapse in, in, in an important game like this. It's just so easy to play. It was so easy to play against France in this tournament. Both teams, what did they do? They just switched the, the ball screens and... Rudy Gobert cannot post up. I you did you remember do you remember his post ups last year in the Eurobasket? I think there was even a funny compilation made of his tries to post up, let's say Dennis Schroeder after the switches or some other guys. He was just doing these funny looking fadeaway shots or random hooks and basically that's what Latvia and Canada did most of the time and you know on the perimeter Yes, this is where Thomas Hertel could have helped, but you know he isn't—he is not the guy to get back thirty points against Canada. Like Thomas Hertel is not doing that, and uh, it, it's just so easy to play against France because you know Rudy Gobert, and even if you put Matthias Lasord in there, uh, you play pick and roll, you switch, and then it's—and then that—that's it. France don't have weapons, enough weapons, enough variety, let's say, how Germany has. And all they tried to do was a perimeter play and it wasn't basically working. And it's strange to say, but a team who made uh, 14 three-pointers, France made 14 of 27, they shot 52% from from three, 52% from two, and they made 20 of 24 free throws. How often do you see a team lose when shooting like this? It's because they turned the ball over 20 times compared to Latvia's only 14. And and it was one of the main reasons, you know, why they lost as well. So just so much, let's say, slip of the balls, bad passes, just careless basketball from them. And I, I was really surprised to see this France playing so bad. I know they did not play great last year, but but I don't I don't really understand what happened what happened this year. But I gotta say this, uh after 2017 Eurobasket, when there was an upset, not such a big upset, but still, Germany at the time was not as strong as they are right now. And they knocked out France in the eight finals. To me, at that time, it seemed like Vincent Collet will be out. But the French Basketball Federation trusted him. And in 2019 FIBA World Cup, they win the bronze medal. Then in the Olympics in Tokyo, silver medal then Eurobasket in Berlin last year silver medal so now this loss in the World Cup might seem like a tragedy but it actually it's not because let's be real the priorities in national team basketball are still number one Olympics 
Number two, Eurobasket. Number three, FIBA World Cup. You can see from players declining to play in the World Cup and how many stars we had in the previous Eurobasket. They value Eurobasket over the World Cup. And friends, are in, they're in the Olympics anyway. They're the hosts. So it's not a tragedy, but maybe just a lesson to be learned. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a lesson to be learned for everybody, for everyone to look at the mirror. I don't think that Vincent Collet should be fired because I don't think it's smart to make it happen before the Olympics. Uh, it's one of the reasons because he knows the score very well and to start a new project just less than a year uh, before the Olympics, I don't think it's a good solution. And also, let's not forget that he has a great connection with Victor Vembanyama. And the Metropolitans, they build the connection. He might, and if he will be able to, he will join the French national team. And I don't see any other person uh, than Vincent Collet who could, you know, utilize him better uh, in, his, in his game. So they should be patient. Uh, when Vincent, Vincent Collet, as you mentioned, yeah, it's a failure, it's a collapse. But uh, knowing their track record of the last few years, I mean, sometimes it's just normal to get those hit big uh, soaring punches in the face but they have all the tools to recover and bounce back very quickly and after the olympics you might uh, start over the new project some veterans are stepping uh, down like nicolas batum returning from the na french national team and nando de Colau, some other guys so then you might start a new project but right now uh, yeah you can blame Collet for doing some uh, tactical mistakes, maybe rotations, uh, rotations of big men, for instance, roster selection. But I don't think that firing him would be a solution. And what do you think about the other team, which was also mentioned pretty high on the power rankings? Finland losing. I mean, they were in a tough group, so it it's not like nobody expected that. But to lose against Japan and to be eliminated from the further competition in this way, uh, probably it was a bit, a bit of kind of a shocker. I would say, I would say it, was, it is disappointing, definitely. Uh, before the tournament, I thought, is Lauri Markkinen like the most unluckiest NBA star we have this in the World Cup? Because he was balling last Eurobasket and now he got into this tough group and probably Finland will finish third. But seeing them lose to Japan is... I, I I would say it's a little bit shocking, and um, it, it's it's true, it's true. I have not seen so many tough shots, tough three pointers made in one game for quite a long time. I mean, mm, Japan made some frees that you can't expect to hit in the, in two games in a row. I mean, falling fadeaway three pointers, um, let's say layup shots, floaters. One meter and uh, 72 centimeter guy shooting high, high arcing floaters uh, against Lauri Markkanen. It's tough to hit those shots and Japan hit almost all of them in that game. They were down by 13 or 12, I think, in the second half and they recovered. And the way they did it is you can't really... Yeah, for some freeze, you can blame Finland because they lost track of, you know, being in the help position and then tracking the off-ball movement of Japan players but other shots were just tough shots you know even Mike James doesn't hit or you know NBA players can't hit on a on this percentage that J Japan hit in this in this one game so 
one one game comes to my mind is the same game Germany versus Greece, the 17 three pointers they made last year in the Eurobasket. Japan didn't hit as many frees, but the difficulty of those shots that they hit in the second half was just spectacular. So um, a bit of, of unlucky from Finland's perspective, but also they did not do er er everything in their power. And actually, it wouldn't be such a huge upset if, if Japan had Rui Hachimura. Then you could say like Hachimura almost matches Lowry Markin right. in, in star power. And, and then it's just up to the other guys. And But Japan don't have uh, Hachimura in this competition. Uh, for them, it's a big win, of course. You're hosting the, the group. You're playing in Okinawa. Uh, a comeback win with all these shots that you've mentioned. It's a great thing for Japan. It's it's not going to be enough for them to qualify to to the second round because it's kind of hard to imagine Japan also beating uh, uh, Australia. Yeah, they're playing Australia in the in the last game, but still a lot of credit to these guys. The passion that they showed on, on the court, the way they played, the way they believed that they can overcome this 13, 14 point deficit. And Finland is kind of one of the disappointments uh, of the tournament, but at the same time, you must understand that the, the difficulty that they have in this group and whether they win versus Japan or lose, it wouldn't be enough for them also. So it, it's Australia's and, and, and Germany's group that that's clear to see. And that was actually the uh, highest quality game I've seen so far. Uh, Germany, Aust Australia. If we're moving to that topic, although we still was, we still have Dominican Republic, a, Italy that we will have to discuss. Donatas, I think you're in, on mute. Donatas, you are muted. Yeah. My bad. Uh, <laughs> the thing I wanted to say about Germany and Australia, I remember that in the first podcast uh, about the World Cup here in Manila, we mentioned that Canada made a statement win against uh, winning. Uh, by 30 over France, the Germany also, you know, made a statement win beating Australia without France Wagner. Augustus, you did a great breakdown, uh, weighing in on their chances to be a team that might be a dark horse for, for winning the World Cup. What do you think about their uh, potential? About Germany's? I think, uh, wow. After uh, USA, we had Canada, and I think we have to add Germany to this to this mix. Definitely, uh, what I saw, what we saw from the game against Australia, that's quite a bold statement in my eyes. You know, beating beating Australia without Franz Wagner, uh, who probably is their best, let's say, all-around player. I know the team's engine main engine is Dennis Schroeder. And to have him is a luxury not every team has. Uh, let's not forget this guy has scored, was scoring 19 points in the NBA. He doesn't have trouble scoring in on FIBA courts. Uh, he can create points from nothing. I love his move, the way he spins around. Uh, he's like, his back is looking to the basket. And then all of a sudden he do, does this 360 move and just explodes to the basket. And his ability to create points from nothing just beating his opponents with speed is amazing. And uh, that's what he did in the start of the game versus Australia. And then, let's say, when, when the Australians were not giving him uh, that much space, 
So after a couple of these drives to the rim, the Australians are like, okay, let's let's give let's try let's see if you can hit this free ball because as we know, I think Dennis is like 33, 34% career free point shooter in the NBA. And all of a sudden he's he's hitting those shots as well. And on those nights when he's making the free ball, I think he's pretty unguardable in FIBA. He had 30 points, eight assists. Five of nine shooting from the free, four steals, I think, as well. And he was cooking Joe Ingles. He was cooking Nick Kay in switch all situations. I know that's not the the greatest, let's say, perimeter defenders, but that's what Australia offered to Germany. Uh, they were quite using, they were utilizing uh, a lot the switch all defense, and they will continue to do it throughout the tournament. But Dennis was just amazing, and um, it was not only drives to the rim; it was a pull back into a step back three pointer and uh, not only him, but as well, Maud Law had a crazy run uh, in the in the be- end of third, beginning of the fourth. But what I like the most is just how Germany has the answer for everything, how well they are mm, moving offensively without the ball. Niels Giffey um, cutting to the right spaces, uh, just counter moves against uh, uh, Australia's hedge defense when they were doing that. So um, I think it's a pretty big win without Franz Wagner. I don't think there was a foul in the end, as a lot of Australians were trying to say against Josh Giddy. I think, you know, he was just trying to sell it. Um, they did not show the replay, but I they rewind it quite a couple of times that last possession and i don't think there there is much much there so i don't know what you guys think about that last play no i agree with you about that just in general the highest quality game i've seen so far in the world cup and i have to give credit to both sides i i like both of these teams and australia despite its loss can still go far and can, can still win a medal uh, from Australia side, I, I, I would like to mention uh, I'm really growing fond of Duop Reed, the way they're using him as a stretch big. And he's been so consistent making shots so far. Uh, and it's nice to see him being successful for the national team because what we've seen in Europe, just some glimpses in, in Zvezda, he didn't really make any impression on us and we forgot about the player. And, and now we see that Duop Reed is a, is a legit player who helps this Australia team a lot. Uh, Germany, yeah, uh, as you said, without Franz Wagner. First of all, it's amazing to see how Dennis Schroeder matured as a leader because four years ago in China, he also had good stats, but he was not the leader. You couldn't see him making the right place for the team. And you didn't see this whole energy towards his teammates, this positivity that he brings right now. So it, in four years, a lot of things can happen, and, and Danny Shorter definitely matured as a leader, obviously. Last year's Eurobasket experience also helped. Uh, and more law, what I have to say about him. Uh, well, we have these like signature move of some legendary moves of some legendary European players like Bodiroga Shamgod or Yesikavich's no look pass, Printezis off the shoulder shot. I think more Juan Carlos step- Navarro step back. Juan Carlos Navarro floater or, or step back and more law step back doesn't get uh, enough credit in my opinion. Some Australian players were not really ready for this. I think there were two uh, step back shots that basically 
uh, in a row. Blew, he just blew the defender away. And after that, he was a mm. bit lucky because the bank was open on Sunday. So he, he, he <laughs> actually had a free off the glass. And at the time, it was just a one-point or two-point game. And that was a close game up until the end. I think, like I said, both teams deserve a lot of credit. Uh, both coaches uh, endorse this modern-day basketball. They want to see their, their teams pushing uh the tempo, uh, playing fast basketball, guard-oriented basketball. That's why I love both of these teams. And Gordy Herbert, as well as uh, Brian Gorian, deserve credit for this. Um, of course, in, in national team basketball, you work with the tools that you have. And these coaches are kind of lucky to have these extremely talented guards like Schroeder, Law on one side. On the other side, you have Patty Mills, uh, Josh Giddy. Uh, so, yeah, that was a great game. And... I'm actually cheering for, for Australia and Germany in, in this competition. These are teams that are they're really fun to watch. I just uh, loved how you noticed Germany's uh, team chemistry. Uh, did you did you saw I, I think you saw of course this uh, after the third uh, made basket for Model Law in the fourth quarter. Did you see how every German player got up from the bench and came to celebrate him almost in the middle of the court? Australia called a timeout and every guy was standing up, was running next to the court and every guy got a, made a high five with him. Uh, Dennis was so happy. Thijs was happy. Voigtman, everybody was like, it was like a team huddle, team timeout in the middle of the court for like five seconds. And then they went to talk, you know, in this. So... That's a great sign of a, of, a, of a really great team. And that says a lot, a lot about the team's leader as well. The thing about Germany, and especially it, it, all the things you mentioned, connects to one point, basically. I think this whole process of Dennis Schroeder becoming a great leader, Germany finding a great chemistry started in the previous year's Eurobasket. And I remember I fall in love with this group of guys in Cologne because I had a chance to cover Cologne group stage. And basically I met those guys every day and they were so cool, you know, to talk to media and you, you could see not just from their game, not just from their bench reactions, but also the way they handle media, the way they talked with each other, that it's becoming a family. It's becoming something. It's becoming a thing. And, you know, Probably it was the Eurobasket, the last Eurobasket, and Dennis Schroeder, you know, got the second opportunity on the highest uh, level in the NBA. That's when LA Lakers got all the feedback from the Eurobasket from Germany national team and decided to, to give him, you know, another shot. Uh, and now we just have the development of this great experience of being together with just two, three new players, basically just even upgrading the roster. And I'm not surprised to see that chemistry right now. I'm, I'm very happy that, you know, Maldo Law brought back that confidence. I really thought that he's going to have a better EuroLeague season. Uh, so now I just hope that he will translate this confidence and this, you know, great skill great game to his in his new stage uh, in, in olympia milano but yeah germany is again like a last year one of the sexiest if not the sexiest uh, team that we have here and in, in, in the world cup it's a pleasure to watch them i really honestly cheer for them as well and it's hard not to, to love them not just for their game but for their personalities that they have in the locker room and actually i think they still have one more secret weapon that has been kept in the chest uh, so far that is Andy Obst yeah like last year that 
game versus Greece where you, where you said 17 frees. Wouldn't be possible without Andy Ops playing some Reggie Miller-like basketball. And he's, he definitely has it in him to perform at that level at least for one game because they have uh, plays for him, they have sets for him. But let's say versus Australia, it was not his night. And I still think that Andy Ops at some point in this competition will, will, will make some noise, maybe a quarterfinal, maybe a semifinal, who knows. Uh, it, and we're waiting for Franz Wagner to be back, of course. He, he could be ready for the second round. It's very important for Germany because, yeah, they beat Australia, but to win a medal, I think you need Franz Wagner. Uh, he makes this team so much stronger. He basically now you're focusing on Schroeder and Modelo. When there's Franz Wagner, there's no one you can focus on because who, you, who are you going to put your best defender on when these three guys are on the floor? It's a tough decision for any coach, at, even at the elite level we're talking. So, yeah, they need Franz Wagner, but uh, winning without him is, is a big statement. Uh, before we, we will wrap up this episode with our best five of, of round two, I had this question in my mind because in the last couple of days, uh, Noah Lyle's statement uh, was really trending on United States media, but here in Europe as well. Do you have any take about that situation? Him downplaying the world champions uh title for the nba team that wins the nba title i mean i don't really like both sides i don't like how nba announces their champions as world champs and also i don't like all the butthurt that it causes let's say in europe uh first of all it's obvious that there's no team on any other continent that could beat denver nuggets in let's say best of seven series so it is obvious that the Denver Nuggets were the best team in the world last season. And it's always like this with the NBA champions. I don't have any illusions that the Golden State Warriors, when they had this um, team with Kevin Durant on top of everything, has to prove a point to beat, let's say, EuroLeague champs to become official world champions. But to call yourselves world champions when you win a North American Basketball Association uh, trophy... Is kind of arrogant and narrow-minded. I don't think it's necessary. Uh, and what, what Noah Lyle said, there's a lot of truth in it. Uh, I didn't really like the reaction of some NBA players. Like They started sort of defending themselves in a defense mode. Like, why is that necessary? But in general, I don't really care if they want to call themselves world champions. Yeah. Why not? This is the best league in the world anyway. It's like I have a I have this I don't really care about this whole situation, but just one question. So if the if the United States right now wins the World Cup, they are the world champions and Denver Nuggets are the world champions at the same time. So who are the real world champions? Who is the be who is the best team? No, I know this is different competitions. This is club and international basketball, but how can you have two world champions at the same time then, you know? Um, I, I, I see a lot of truth in, in, in his statements, you know, you're not competing against the whole world. Yeah, best players are playing there, but, but just 
I see more truth in his statement than with how the NBA are trying to NBA players or NBA are trying to call themselves. I f the only problem was delivery by Noah Lyles. I mean, because why? I think that, I mean, I don't know. I just didn't like his delivery. Maybe he's that type of personality, but I love I, his delivery. If, if that if that was put in a different way. I think that would have a better, let's say, feedback in general about his stay because actually he's, he voiced something that we, at least here in Europe, we all Europeans think that NBA teams calling them NBA uh, world champions is a little bit silly. But as Rita said, I personally, I don't really care. But at the same time, I just see so much ego behind that, you know, to call and labor yourself world champions, even though we have these national team competitions. And I've never heard... Uh, UEFA Champions League champions calling themselves world champions as well. So, I don't know. Maybe this is hey. just this cultural clash between Europe and, and North but America. And that's where I not, saw it's, it's just impossible. But they do call themselves world champions because after winning UEFA Champions League, they win the FIFA Clubs World Cup. And they even have a badge on, on, on the jersey to say that they are club world champions. So, that's... I, I don't they think have it's to the, play additional competition. Yes which basically proves that nobody can match them. <laughs> so if Denver Nuggets had to play uh, an additional competition, they could right. prove the same thing. I think some years ago, there was this McDonald's Cup or something. Uh, I remember when Jalgiris won the EuroLeague, they probably played in this tournament with San Antonio Spurs involved as NBA <laughs> champs. There was uh, Puff Bologna maybe it, and, 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 and it a Brazilian says team. Like, it is... It is it says like some years ago sounds like five years ago it, it, it is it was yeah. 25 years ago 24, Man. 24 years ago <laughs> you're, but, you're getting so old but it was a thing and right now the uh, fiba has this uh, continental cup but there are no nba champions i think last time it was like tenerife uh, facing some g-league teams so that means nothing uh, anyway it's just like tomato tomato nba champions world champions Whatever. Uh, I don't really care. What I care about is that we didn't really discuss Dominican Republic beating Italy. And why is that? I think it's kind of important. It's because we're... It's important, but at the same time, we're a little bit short of time. But for okay. sure, we can dedicate a few minutes to give a credit for for Carl Anthony Towns, Dominican Republic team, and them making to the uh, next stage. And in style, I mean, winning against Italy, which I would say had way less style in that game, the way they approach it, starting from the coaching staff. And I know that you guys have a lot of to say about that, right? I mean, Italy will still probably get to the second round. They need to beat the uh, Philippines. But uh, I thought that, let's say, facing a team with a dominant big like Carl Anthony Towns could be trouble for Italy, but I didn't think it will be trouble to such extent. Uh, where it ends up with the Dominican Republic getting the W. It's not as much of an upset as it was Latvia, let's say, knocking out France, but still, I would say, one of the bigger upsets so far in the competition. August, any I reactions? Was I, I was surprised how Italy cannot make a free for a second game in a row. Um, 
And I was surprised how they started defending only in the fourth quarter when they were down by a lot of points and they tried to mount this improbable comeback a couple of times and uh, with their pressure full court, with their aggressive defense. Before that, we did not see um, the same, let's say the same, the same, the same reaction when they were not winning the game against Dominican Republic. Uh, we have to shout out Andre Feliz, I think. The guy made seven three-pointers and he was just amazing, I think, in that game. 24 points, 8 of 12 shooting, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, just a spectacular performance next to Carl Anthony Towns, who also had, has had a better game, let's say, making the same tough shots he was attempting in the game against Philippines, but he was not making those. He, this, yep. this time, it was still the same, let's say, bad shot selection that he needs to do in this team but he was making more of those shots in 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 the start and one thing i wanted to obviously the biggest storyline was the ejection of the Gianmarco Pozzeco and uh but what happened after is that Italian Federation Basketball Federation president Petrucci said that i'm not going to tolerate uh behaviors like this from any coaches in in Italy anymore and he said that he, the players and the coaches are not allowed to talk to the media anymore. And the only guy who can speak to the media is him. And this is just ridiculous in my eyes, because why are you doing this? Why are you taking all the attention to you? Uh, it, it, it's just not acceptable in my eyes, not understandable, because this is what Gianmarco Pozzeco does. He is the, the energy guy. He is the passion guy. The, the Italy team plays good because of, because of like last year, they played good mostly because of, you know, how he's installed that five out offense and because of their passion. And now he lose one game and you are starting to make this such a big mess. Why, why, why is that so? You, they didn't lose that. They didn't lose the championship yet. They, they, they will probably still qualify to the second round. Why do you need to take all the attention to you? I don't understand this. I, 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 okay. Because regarding Pacheco, I was really surprised that he just starts losing himself during the competition from the beginning. Not really, but yeah, regarding Petrucci's statement, it just, it's just another once again, I think how ridiculous this whole European basketball business is because all these guys, all these clubs, all these national teams, they want to make money. They want to be popular. They want to be profitable. But nobody, uh, they, they won't let you speak on media. They won't let you to promote your national team. They won't let to, you to promote FIBA World Cup or Eurobasket. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. How they think that money, they, they, do they really think that money starts just raining? Like we have those showers in, in Manila here. Nah, it's, it's one of the ways, you know, to be approachable as much as possible to spread the word about the competition, to put the best names, the biggest stars, you know, in front of cameras to talk, to, to you know, to f fill the stream of, of social media. That's one of the ways and it's one of the most important ways. But no, just let's just uh, make all these players, coaches, everybody shut up, put, put them off the cameras and let's just wait until it starts raining with money and especially after a situation like this this is the storyline you want you want to hear what happened you want to maybe hear an apology to your team to 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 the country of italy or you, you maybe want to try to explain yourself 
Um, and and I just don't understand. Whatever. Yeah, and I believe that we kind of answered. Uh, we had BN Plus uh, member Alessandro Escalona who had a question about Gianmarco Pacheco, how it affected Italy's team performance during the game, and some other stuff. So I think that we kind of covered uh, that part. And maybe it's time to wrap up the episode, right? Because it's getting louder and louder in my media workroom, which Ritis left for good. So. Uh, just one last question before we will go with our best five. So, uh, Tolly has a question, our BN Plus member, and you can also become a BN Plus member joining basketnews.com slash plus. Very good subscription levels, very good uh, prices. We have some great offers for you to join us to get a lot of extra features, including asking us questions, you know, having a direct communication with the Urbanos hosts, also joining our WhatsApp chats where I would say it's probably the highest quality basketball discussion among fans that we have here in Europe and also a lot of articles, breakdowns and all the other stuff that we will produce during the competition and also the following season. So just this last question from BN Plus member Tolly. After the second round, which team player surprised you the most and which team player is more delusional? Uh, and yeah, we already covered Kole uh, situation. Uh, that's an interesting part of the question about the delusional player. Uh, it's hard to answer that. Uh, maybe players who disappointed so far in the competition would be uh, a better way to, to approach things. But talking about the players that impressed the most, I, I mentioned Carlique Jones in the first podcast. I have to say he's probably earning himself a contract if he hasn't so hasn't earned one yet. A really good point guard. I like seeing him play. I like his style of play. Uh, just just to add, I think that Kerlik Jones has a two-way with the Chicago Bulls. Two-way contract. Like that. Yeah. Okay, so, so things he's, can he's, change. He, yeah. A two-way contract means that you're not a free agent, but you're as close as it gets. Uh, so... Carlick Jones definitely um, seeing Paddy Mills at 35 still uh, leading in scoring is amazing. Uh, he's not declining, definitely. Mm, what else to say? Um, from the underdog team as well, of course, is, is, we have to speak about Grande Hollis Jefferson and the miracles he performed yesterday, Jordan versus New Zealand. That was amazing, really. Uh, what What do you guys have? I have a good pick, I think, for uh, the most disappointing guy so far. I think when, like, when when I will say his uh, averages, you would probably think I'm crazy, you know, because he is averaging through two games. He's averaging fourteen points, four rebounds, and ten assists, and he is number one in the tournament in the in the assists. So. How would you would say how can a guy averaging a double double can be a disappointment? But I'm talking about Tremont Waters from Puerto Rico, and he's shooting 27% from the field. He has made only eight shots of 29 in two games versus Serbia and South Sudan. Uh, and next to those 20 assists, he has 13 turnovers, so six and a half on average per game. So 
the averages look good uh, overall, but I think I was expecting definitely uh, a little more from him in terms of field goal percentages and a little bit less turnovers. I know he has the ball in every possession for Puerto Rico, but six and a half is not a com- compared with ten assists is not a very great, let's say, assist to turnover ratio. So uh, that's my probably pick for the disappointing player so far in the tourney. Then Donatus, who do you have? I think for me it's too early to exclude something. I mean, two games. I'm not sure if it's a is the sample size that I would be kind of you know confident about some of these picks. So I, at least I will wait uh, until the end of the group stage. Hmm. But yeah, we can uh, start with our best fives, right? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, my top five for the round two would be Rondé Hollis Jefferson, uh, Rita's just mentioned. I think what he has done in the first two rounds cannot go unnoticed. I can't no longer not include him in my round top five. I mean, not only he's playing, you know, similar to Kobe, he has all the armband and the number and the shoes and all the, all that stuff. He's doing some incredible stuff. He's basically playing, basically playing, playing alone for that Jordan team. What did you want to say? It was, it, it just. I mean, I think that Rondé Hollis Jefferson is a guy who we should stop with a little bit to discuss. You know, his presence in the FIBA World Cup competition. I mean, first of all, I was shocked to see him in Alitus like a month ago when he was at the back of the Jordan team bench when they played three miserable friendly games against Lithuanian D or A, uh, E, Reserve F team, team, I don't know, at, at, at its best. Uh, so I was really surprised to see him there and he got the passport at the last minute and the importance he brings to Jordan team is, is an amazing. And uh, you could say that, okay, he's scoring some crazy numbers, but at the same time Jordan team is losing. but. They were competitive. They were competitive in both games, even uh, against Greece. So, uh, Hollis Jefferson was a great uh, inclusion uh, to the team. And of course, I mean, I have this thing. I don't know if it's, I don't believe in horoscopes, but uh, I'm a cancer. And usually I go uh, against the flow or against the trend. If somebody starts saying, oh, that guy looks like Kobe, he acts like Kobe, he does everything like Kobe, oh, he's a Kobe, I don't like that. I mean, I'm going against the trend. But it is impossible not to compare him with Kobe. I mean, and the thing is that he's endorsing this comparison. The same number, the same looks, the same stuff on, on the hands, on el- the same shot, everything. So, I mean, even though it's really early in the tournament and I'm already getting tired of this comparison and topic, but he really deserves that, especially after the yesterday's game, three pl- uh, and one uh, play to, to force the overtime. I mean, 39 point game uh, the competition high so far I mean it's crazy and I'm happy for the guy he's 28 he has six years of NBA experience and he was out of the league for the last uh, couple of years but at least from the conversation I had from him it looks like he uh, he woke up uh, about himself uh, because he was out of the league and from what I heard the feedback about his let's say personality was not the best and now he's admitting all the mistakes he he did as a person first of all uh and just trying to find his way back to the league and you know watching his 
his size, his ability, not just offensively, but defensively as well. I mean, I wish he was not in the Filipino Liga, to be honest. League, to be honest. I wish he was somewhere in the Euroleague, at least. Hey, the only significant difference that is that he's a lefty. So, from that point of view, you, you, you'd have to compare him to Lamar Odom or some, someone else. Not Kobe, but... Uh, Watching last last day's uh, game versus New Zealand, I, I thought like this reminds me of the Kobe era where he had help from Smush Parker and Chris Mim, and had to do everything on his own. <laughs> so it was something like that, and I think we all have him included in this top five thing. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. You can continue. Uh, my second guy would be Yuki Kawamura from Finland, um, from Japan, I'm sorry. And in the game against Finland, uh, he had 25 points, uh, 10 of 16 shooting and 9 assists. I think he's definitely uh, worthy of a, a spot in this top five. Then I have Andres Feliz, we already talked, from Dominican Republic, 7 of 10 three-point shooting. And, you know, can't go with, can't not mention one Latvian guy. So it would be Artur Jagas for his performance uh, versus France. And I would put Dennis Schroeder or either him or the German national team coach, uh, Gordon Herbert, before their performance against Australia. I loved both Schroeder's performance and both how, how Germany played. So, you know, both of these guys get, get, get a mention in my round two top five i think one way or another we have latvia or a latvian player in this list it's inevitable so i would have to say just the whole team uh coaching staff the players even porzingis the way he's supporting the team i think porzingis being there in jakarta with with uh, his teammates is is a big deal because usually if an nba superstar uh, cannot compete because of an injury he doesn't travel with the team he goes about his business and you see Porzing is there with, with, with all the guys and there's Janis Painters next to him uh, it, it's nice to see Janis uh, Trellnex by the way who, who, who was injured badly and that's why he couldn't make yeah. the, the competition so it was great to see all of them you know celebrating yeah. that victory because they were all part of that victory in the making let's say yeah uh, also, I want to give a shout out to Juan Nunez, a promising young Spanish point guard, and he's becoming their starting point guard right now. You can see that in certain situations, he kind of reminds me of Ricky Rubio uh, with his uh, court vision, with his passing abilities, uh, and he has more confidence in his jump shot, it seems that way, because he's hitting a free and one casually over a Brazilian defender and this game versus Brazil was really important for the first place in, in, in the group and they got a really solid win. Uh, Nunez playing pick and roll with Garuba for example is a, is a big threat offensively. He ended up with 13 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. So when you remember that last year they had to naturalize Lorenzo Brown to have a point guard now you can see that Juan Nunez is growing and he could be their point guard for the upcoming 10 or 15 years. And so far, he's having a really good World Cup. Uh, so I have to mention him. 
Um, what else to say? Of course, in the in the top five, I have to include a guy making goat noises in the Mall of Asia arena. In general, this whole thing about shouting Austin is becoming pretty popular. Usually, Austin Reeves doesn't really pay too much attention to it. <laughs> Although there are fans like in these VIP courtside seats, and they are always trying to uh, call USA players by name, but they don't really get any attention from them. No feedback whatsoever. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this guy has to be mentioned uh, in, the, in this top five selection. And Cape Verge winning... Uh, they're, they're getting their first win in, in in history for the first time they are in the World Cup the smallest nation to be here and winning a game versus Venezuela you can see how they were celebrating in the middle of the court that was a beautiful thing and actually you're thinking that this is like a team that only has uh, Walter Tavares but in this game other players really stepped up made some big shots, uh, Almeida, Gomez. So uh, I'm happy for them. Uh, they got the win. Uh, and it's always nice to see these kind of Cinderella stories. Yeah, I also included Cape Verde. They, they deserve a lot of respect because, for instance, they could have naturalized somebody to help Eddie Tavares and instantly you would have a great combo, you know, of Eddie Tavares playing in front line and then having a great score. But they decided to go against this idea because they were just too proud of, you know, their local identity. So that's a huge thing in, the, in nowadays national team basketball. So I have them on the list as well as South Sudan for them getting this victory finally after this uh, nightmare in a game against Puerto Rico. Uh, so I have kind of them both in my top five. Uh, I also have a guy who makes uh, goat noises and sounds Kobe, of course. Uh, Latvia, because I just feel so proud of our neighbors, uh, Bralukas, because I think that they were probably the national team which was punished the most by the new FIBA system. We all remember how in 2017 we were talking about the new generation of Latvian players, how dangerous they might be for the following years. And they, at the time when the FIBA window started, they didn't have Porzingis. They also had few EuroLeague players who could enjoy the national team during the season. So they weren't capable of making it to the 2019 uh, World Cup. And it was a big hit because instantly you're also missing the uh, Olympic Games. So Finally, they return. The worst thing is that they return with a lot of missing players, missing star player. Some of these players who had a lot of potential, they, they let's say, their uh, the direction of their careers has changed significantly as well. Uh, but at least they're getting this victory to see them celebrate is celebrating. You know, they deserved uh, that in all those years. So I'm really happy about them. And just the other guy who wasn't mentioned yet is actually Josh Hart. For me, he illustrates the player, especially on the Team USA roster, which can, which shows how you can contribute without scoring, without having a ball in your hands, but just being efficient in so many different ways. For instance, in a game against New Zealand, he took two shots, he played 15 minutes, he, the, he had the best plus and minus uh, rating. Then there was the second game against the Greece. Uh, he also took two shots and he had like 11 rebounds. The first uh, bench player who had over 10 rebounds since 2014. Five offensive and rebounds. And, and also five offensive rebounds, which is also the first guy from 2014 World Cup. So 
he just illustrates what this team USA needs. Uh, you know, sharing roles, having clear uh, roles, having clear yeah. leaders, and guys who can help. You know, in in many different ways, and he does that. You know, so good, so confident, and I'm I'm happy. I had this question for Steve Kerr, and I was disappointed when it actually became a first question of the press conference when somebody from United States colleague asked uh, Kerr because I really thought that it might be a little bit. You know, it he might be he might go a little bit under the radar, but but yeah, he's he's praised uh, well enough just a quick remark uh, watching him uh, playing for the New York Knicks and even in the past let's say for the New Orleans uh, he has this great quality of treating a regular season game as a playoff game and not too many players have it nowadays and his effort is always there and he was grabbing offensive rebounds being surrounded by free tall Greek players so he just, uh, as simple as it is, he wanted it more <laughs> and he got it. Uh, I also love the guy. I, I appreciate him a lot. I know he's also a huge um, soccer football fan. He plays Premier League fantasy football. So we kind of have a lot in common as well. So, yeah, Josh Hart, a great guy. Okay, guys. So that was it. My media workroom space is empty, actually. So thanks for all the colleagues who, who made this uh, environment noisy and forced Ritus to move somewhere else. Uh, I, I hope today there won't be any crazy upsets or games like it happened with the previous podcast because it makes uh, our pods irrelevant basically but we try to keep up to date uh, as much as possible but it's really hard being on different time zones and and managing all this you know quantity of games that we had but it was a pleasure to talk to you guys and to, to share some impressions of the world cup thank you and see you very soon right see you guys